I like a bed that's really firm. I need something a little softer than that. Rest easy. With the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, you can both adjust your comfort with your Sleep Number setting. Can it really help me fall asleep faster? Yes, by gently warming your feet. Okay, but can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. It's our biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Five double A breakfast. David Penberthy and Will Goodings. Weekdays from six till nine on Adelaide's Five Double A. In the last hour on Adelaide's Five Double A. Danny Frawley's brain handed to the Victorian coroner reveals that he suffered from stage two CTE, the brain trauma that's related with repeated head knocks. Peter Jess is a former player agent in the AFL and now a concussion advocate representing the concerns of a host of players. Do you think that there's an overlap between the head knocks and his descent into depression? There's absolutely no no question. He really had the classic signs of being in bother. I actually met with the AFL about a month before for his demise. I was concerned then that his behaviour patterns had changed because he'd come off his medications. Phil Curry from the Australian Financial Review is on the line. How do you think the Prime Minister's new approach with regard to borders is going to go? He, had, he, he tried to strong-arm premiers previously. He's now mm. looks like he's in the process of just, just establishing goalposts to say, can we all agree on, on the, the roadmap forward? Do you think it'll be more successful? Well, I hope so, and it needs to be. Uh, look, it's, they haven't got their fingers crossed for Queensland because Anastasia Palaszczuk is just completely in election mode and just think nothing under Queensland is utterly evil. Now... For the latest 5AA Breakfast, David Penberthy and Will Goodings. Seven minutes after eight, time for breaking it out this morning and we hand it over to our guest. Our guest is the outgoing ICAT Commissioner Bruce Lander, whose tenure ends today. And yesterday in the interview with In Daily, he dropped something of a bombshell on the way out. He joins us now. Bruce Lander, good morning to you. Do we still call you Commissioner or are you Immediate Past Commissioner or what's the what's the appropriate title at this point? You can call me anything you like. <laughs> we'll go with... We'll, we'll stick with Commissioner. Yeah. Commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be talking to you because sometimes when we discuss matters pertaining to ICAC, we feel like we're tiptoeing around things as, as journos, so it's terrific to have you on the show again. Fine. Can we kick off with the, the, the revelation yesterday about the, the use of parliamentary privilege by these MPs to, to um, refuse to divulge details of their travel expenses. Is that a valid use, in your view, Commissioner, of parliamentary privilege? Um, I don't think it's quite fair to say that they're using parliamentary privilege. Um, what they've asked me to do is to delay um, examining their staff and um, requesting that they hand over documents until Parliament can consider whether or not parliamentary privilege would apply. That... that it's for Parliament to decide, not the individual parliamentarians, whether parliamentary privilege would apply. So who would for make that determination? How would it? Yeah, would it be the Speaker or...? No, uh, it would be the, the two Houses separately would decide whether or not, uh, in the view of the particular House, uh, parliamentary privilege was available. What would that mean in terms of the, the, the ability of the ICAC in future to investigate cases where privilege becomes a concern? Well, it would make it very difficult to, to um, investigate um, conduct if um, parliamentary privilege applied, because <clears throat> excuse me, because um, you wouldn't have access to documents and uh, to witnesses uh, if, if 
Parliament decided that uh, the documents were the subject of privilege or the witnesses uh, were protected by the privilege. So I, mean, cons- I, I, I have to say, I don't think parliamentary privilege would apply in these circumstances, but that, that's a matter for Parliament, and I thought I should let Parliament make that decision before um, I... Uh, pursued the, the lines of inquiry that I was taking. Just for the benefit of our listeners, what are the sorts of documents you'd, you were after and what are the, who are the sort of people you'd like to interview? Well, the, the people that um, I had summoned uh, to be examined were staffers of politicians. There were three of those persons. And the documents that were being sought related to the claims made for the country accommodation allowance, which included um, documents relating to... Um, the usual place of residence, documents relating to um, the reasons why that they might have been in Adelaide at a particular time, um, documents relating to uh, the expenditure actually incurred at the time that the allowance was claimed. So these were peripheral pieces of evidence and central to establishing whether the, the allowance was being used appropriately or not. No, I don't, I don't think they're peripheral. I think they're critical. No, that's exactly um, what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Yeah, yeah, they, they are critical. Um, without that evidence, um, the investigation uh, couldn't be pursued. Mm. And, and just to be clear again, Commissioner, um, is it is it your view now that these are potentially matters not of misconduct but of corruption? Uh, yes, uh, the, the investigation is in, in relation to uh, corruption, uh, in relation to um, three um, members of Parliament... Uh, I have separately asked a number of members of Parliament for information relating to their claims, but they are not being investigated at this stage. Hmm. Can I change tack, Commissioner, ask you about your report last week into the conduct of Peter Rathjen at the University of Adelaide while he was Vice-Chancellor? Now, I I read your report um, end-to-end, the the 12-page condensed statement, rather, I should say, the the report itself um, has not been released. Um, Now, I know that Peter Rathjen is the only person who was found guilty of any kind of negative finding, namely serious misconduct, but given the extent of his poor behaviour over such a sustained period, are you surprised that when he was hired by the University of Adelaide that apparently none of that behaviour had come to light and been relayed to the university? Um. Look, I, I didn't look into that. It wasn't relevant for my investigation uh, as to whether or not um, he'd engaged in co- conduct of that kind prior to um, his being employed. Um, I, I expected the university would have done a due diligence in relation to him, um, and I think uh, the university have said that. But I, I didn't investigate whether or not he'd engaged in conduct of that kind prior mm. to him, uh, engagement as Vice-Chancellor. It was relevant for my investigation that he was aware he was being investigated because it, that became relevant as to whether or not he told the Chancellor the truth when asked questions about his previous conduct. Mm, mm. And just in terms of, of, of the report not being released, can I just clarify, was it the university's wish that the report remain totally in secret or did they only... Um, ask that the relevant passages relating to the two women who were named as A and B be be concealed to protect their their privacy. Look, I, I can't remember exactly how they put their submission. I, I, I think um, I think they were concerned about the privacy of the two women who I've called Ms A and Ms B. Uh, that was primarily their concern, and I, I, 
I had at one stage decided to publish the whole of the report, but I received very strong submissions from Ms A and Ms B, which were supported by the university, that if I were to publish the report, uh, that two things would happen. The first is that they'd become victims again, and mm. I understand that point. And the second is it would dissuade other women or other persons in the future from making uh, claim, um, making reports of this kind if they thought they were going to be um, subject to um, publicity of this kind. Mm. So I, I, I think I think their claims were quite appropriate in the end. Yeah. And I, I changed my mind and, and uh, decided to put out a short statement. Mm. Do, do you think that the that the departure of Peter Rathjen is the end of the matter for the university, or do you think that the manner in which it was handled remains uh, raises questions for the people who, who still remain there in, in senior positions? Uh, look, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I, I think the university is going to carry out its own investigation, um, and I think that would be appropriate. The university has said it, it will um, take up all of the recommendations that I've made, which, again, I think is appropriate. Uh, what else they do, it'll be a matter for the university. Mm. As you end your tenure as ICAT Commissioner today, uh, Bruce Lander, is, is there an outstanding investigation that you you regret being unable to get to the bottom of? I, I guess I think specifically of something like SA Health, which you'd put requests to the state government for additional funding to investigate properly. Are there things like that you just you think it's a great shame you weren't able to finalise in your time? Well, I think that was one. That, that, that wasn't a, uh, an investigation as such. What, what I was proposing was to do an evaluation of their um, uh, practices policies and procedures to determine uh, whether they're adequate to guard against the uh, risks of corruption, misconduct and maladministration. Um, it, it was a shame that couldn't be done, uh, but in, in any event, that was that was the result. Um, I have investigated a number of matters within health, and there are some matters that um, are still under investigation and likely to be um, referred to the uh, DPP. Mm. You've spoken to uh, previously uh, in your in your time about the secrecy provisions around ICAC. Has your position at all changed as you uh, vacate the position? Well, uh, it, it has changed over the seven years. Um, when I started, I thought the um, uh, secrecy provisions were appropriate. Um, then I made recommendations after a couple of years to relax them somewhat. Uh, and in my last uh, report, looking back report, which I published last week, I've suggested there should be further relaxations of the secrecy provisions. I think they are still over-engineered and it makes it very difficult. Uh, as, as you said in your introduction, it makes it very difficult for um, journalists to, to understand what they can say and what they can't say. What's the greatest challenge for the, for the ICAC into the, into the future beyond your time there? Um, I, I think to ensure that its, its jurisdiction remains relevant and wide enough, um, I think the present jurisdiction of the uh, I, uh, for the ICAC is is appropriate. Um, it would be a shame, in my opinion, if it were reduced in any way. I think that might be a challenge for the future. Just in terms of the existence of corruption in, in South Australia, Commissioner, I spent a lot of time in New South Wales, which, you know, God bless Sydney, but you often feel like it's still a convict town. And uh, ICAC was a, 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 a rollicking entity over there from a craven journalistic perspective. Um, how do you feel we fare as South Australians in terms of corruption? Did you feel like you're in the happy position of, of having a purview over a state that is generally good? Or at the end of your tenure, do you think that in this town things are bubbling under the surface and we're living in a bit of a fool's paradise if we think otherwise? 
Uh, no, I, I don't think um, we have corruption on the scale that they do in New South Wales. Um, I mean, they get quality corruption over there. <laughs> <laughs> they do it well. <laughs> um, no, I, I, don't, I don't think we have the same um, corruption, and that's because there's not as much money here. I mean, mm. corruption uh, really breeds on money and, and, and uh, greed, and we don't have the same money available in developments and, and, and that kind. So um, we don't, I don't think, have the same sort of corruption at, at the same level. But, but there is corruption in South Australia, there's no doubt about that, and, and, and that's driven by individuals' um, uh, greed or, or thirst for power, what, what, whatever, whatever it is. But I, I don't think it's, it's of the same scale as exists possibly in the eastern states. Mm, mm. Well, that's reassuring. Yeah. What does what the NICAC commissioner do after uh, years spent sorting through the sordid underbelly of uh, conduct in, the, in South Australian official circles? What's next for you? Well, I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to move my professional address back to the uh, chambers, with, uh, which I practised before I became a judge. And I, I might look for some mediation, arbitration, that sort of work. Mm, mm. I haven't looked for any work. I didn't think it was appropriate while I was still in this job to look for work that... I will, I think, after I well, you didn't. Today. Don't want to investigate yourself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Commissioner, we've always appreciated any opportunity we've got to uh, to chat with you because, as David said right at the start, it always meant we felt we were on somewhat safer ground than uh, sometimes <laughs> when other things were uh, were sort of ebbing around the media sphere. So this is uh, no exception. Lovely to speak to you. All the best with your uh, future endeavours, mm. and thanks for your time. Thanks, Will. Thanks, David. Cheers. Thank you, Commissioner. That's the uh, IK Commissioner Bruce Lander. It was a fascinating chat. It's interesting. Well, look, three MPs. Yeah. The subject of a of serious investigations. What they a precedent that sim- would set, though, for Parliament. I mean, if, if Parliament sets a, a, a rule whereby you can't look into the affairs of MPs because it constitutes an offence against parliamentary privilege, I can't never be able to look into anything that politicians do. If this is established as precedent, just don't fund the ICAC. Don't have one. Well, I mean, they'd only be able to inquire into what's happened at the West Galagan Bone Council yep. and you know, public faith in public well. faith in the ICAC would be diminished so greatly that you couldn't justify the spend to sustain it. If you started saying politicians are outside its purview, yeah, totally, be a lame duck. Finding the right foundation is harder than ever. Il Maquillage makes it easy to find your perfect match online. No store required. With 50 shades of flawless coverage and over 60,000 five-star reviews, the hype is real. Their online quiz uses AI to find your ideal shade in seconds. And with Try Before You Buy, you can try your full-size shade at home free for 14 days. Take the quiz at ilmakiage.com slash quiz. I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz.